Crime does not pay. Never mind a crybaby act, Fuller. You're old enough to know what you've been doing. You've got to give me time, that's all. Just some time. Sign this IOU, didn't you, for ten grand? Look, Toppy, if you'll only have patience, if you'll only wait a little, I'm coming into, into money, in my uncle's will. How long am I supposed to wait for that? Only, only until my uncle dies. In the interest of good citizenship and law enforcement, we present Crime Does Not Pay, based on the famous Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer series of short subjects. In just a moment, you will hear Glossy Finish, starring Martin Gable. Does Not Pay, starring Martin Gable as John Fuller in Glossy Finish. been confined to one group of people. No social or economic group, no race or people or nation is free from the crime of murder. For instance, the well-ordered household of multimillionaire David Fuller was hardly the place where one would expect murder. It was a smooth-running, apparently happy household. There was David himself, his nephew John, his faithful secretary Charles Dubo, his housekeeper Martha Frank. This was the permanent unit, modest, efficient, quiet. Then one day, David Fuller called his household together and started the train of events which brought about his own death. Now, John, come in. We've been waiting for you. I'm sorry, Uncle David. I had your message at the office, but there was the usual traffic jam. Uh, hello, Martha. Hello, Charlie. Hello, uh, no matter. Sit down, John. Sit down. Thank you. Anything wrong? <laughs> well, no, hardly. Just getting my affairs in order, that's all. Oh, in other words, Uncle David, you've made a will. Exactly. Now, Charles here seems to think that what's in that document is nobody's business but my own. However, it's quite simple. The sudden acquisition of comparative wealth may be a shock which can have disastrous results on some very fine people. I want you all prepared to handle money. Me, Mr. David? Me with money? The income from a quarter of a million will be yours, Martha, as long as you outlast me. Oh, sir. That's one provision of the boresome legal document whose legal language I refuse to confuse you with. <laughs> now, I've made certain provisions for my favorite charities, and then, well, you two young fellows have been the nearest to sons I've ever had. So the residual estate, about a million, will be divided equally between you. What? After taxes and all, you'll have about a half a million apiece. Uncle David. Oh, really, sir? Don't you think... Well, after all, I'm no blood relation. Well, you've been closer to me these ten years than anyone but John, and it's my money. I earned it. May I say something, Uncle David? Of course, John. Just that 
I don't want Martha or Charlie to think that, um, that I feel they're getting something I ought to have. You've given me a home since Dad died and anything I've ever wanted. All I can say, sir, is that I hope and uh, I trust that it'll be a long time before any of us see that bequest. Here she comes, Johnny. Not bad, not bad at all. Who is she, a professional model? <laughs> I'll have to tell her that. <laughs> She'll love it. No, she's a girl I met a couple of months ago, Dorothy Mason. Month? And you've been holding out on me that long? I know your fatal attraction, pal. Thanks, pal. What kind of prints you're making, Maddie or Glossy? Well, the contacts I'm making Glossy. Uh, you can take the blow-ups out of there now and put them in the fixer. Right. The ferry plate ready? Uh, it's still on the shelf. Get it, will you? Sure. Hey, what's that doing there? Ammonia compound. No dark room complete without it. What for? Ever read the label on the ferrocyanide bottle? <laughs> no. All I noticed was the skull and crossbones. That's when I decided the glossy finish was for other folks. Me, I'll stick to the matte finishes. I don't like poison. Well, just in case. Ammonia is the antidote for poisoning by potassium ferrocyanide. Formula K3-FECN6. Charles Dubo, the complete secretary, even to chemistry. Oh, why not? Majored in it in college. <laughs> took up shorthand when I had to earn a living. That's funny. I took it, too. Chemistry, I mean. But just freshman stuff. Never fooled around with the cyanide. <laughs> Will you excuse me, Uncle David? You haven't had your coffee, John. I know, but I've got a date for 8.30. I can just make it now. <laughs> she must be important, eh, Charles, if John's so anxious to be on time for her? She must be. Anyone I know, Johnny? No. Nobody that either of you knows. Uh, will you pardon me, please? Yes, of course, John. Run along. Thank you, sir. Do you expect to be late? No, not very. Excuse me, Mr. David, Mr. John. Will you have coffee in here or in the library? Library, Martha, please. Mr. Charles and I have a few papers to go over. Very well, sir. And Mr. John? Martha, I'm going out. I may be a little late. Now, before you go to bed, will you leave the chain off the front door for me? My rheumatism's been bothering me, Mr. John. I'll be going up as soon as the kitchen is in order. Perhaps Mr. Charles... Oh, uh, I'm going home tonight, John, so the chain will be off after I let myself out. Oh, well, my young man, you're going to make a night of it, it seems. If going straight home to bed is making a night of it, sir. And my appointment's in the nature of business, Uncle David. <laughs> Listen to the Martha. And let's get along with what we have to do, Charles. Maybe I can get you on your way earlier than you expect. Okay, come in. Good evening, Mr. Carr. Uh, my friends and the people who owe me money call me Toppy. <laughs> Maybe because they know I always come out on top. You got the dough? No. No, I haven't. All right, then. What are you doing? Making a phone call, obviously, to a Mr. David Fuller. You can't do that, Toppy. Oh, can I'll I? I'll get the money. Somehow, somewhere, but you can't call my uncle. He'll disinherit me. He, he thinks 
Gambling is a sucker's racket. Isn't it? For the suckers who gamble? Now, please, have a little more patience, Toppy. I came on the minute tonight so that you'd know that I mean to pay. Never mind the crybaby act, Fuller. You're old enough to know what you've been doing. You signed this IOU, didn't you? For ten grand? Look, Toppy, if you'll only have a little patience, if you'll only wait a little, I'm coming into money in my uncle's will. How long am I supposed to wait for that? Only, only until my uncle dies. Good night, Mr. Fuller. Yeah, good night, Charles. Oh, Charles, my watch seems to have stopped. What time have you? Um, twelve uh, fifteen, sir. Well, thank you. Good night. Good night. Dorothy. Dorothy, darling. I figured your boss and benefactor couldn't keep you all night, so I waited. I'm sorry, darling. I couldn't help it. For a man who claims he's retired from business, he does more work. And at the oddest hours. This is the fourth night in three weeks that we've had a date. He's made you work. Are you sure he doesn't know about us? No one knows, dear. Except Johnny. You finally told him. Well, he walked into the dark room the other day while I was making prints of those pictures I took on oh, you. By the way, I've got the glossies with me, having the enlargements framed. Do you want to see these? I want to see you. I'm in love with you. Heaven help me. Now I want to be with you. And I want to be with you for the rest of our lives. And it looks from here as if the rest of our lives is going to be a mighty short period. Well, I can't leave him now. I know. I've heard it before. The will again. A half million after taxes. Isn't that worth waiting for? I'd like to spend a little of it while we're young enough to enjoy it. I know, darling, I know. Maybe you never know with anyone as old as he is. Maybe it'll be all over sooner than you think. Mr. Fuller. Mr. Fuller, it's nine o'clock. Mr. Fuller, are you up, Mr. Fuller? Funny, he's always up by this time. Funny, nose almost like almond paste in here. Mr. Fuller, oh no. Mr. Fuller! Martha! Oh, no. What's wrong, Martha? Martha, stop that! Martha! Uncle David! He's dead. He's dead in his bed. My poor Mr. David. Martha, stop it. Did you close the windows? Windows? No, I never touched anything. And Martha, that long-necked laboratory bottle on the night table. Have you ever seen that bottle before? In just a moment, Crime Does Not Pay will continue with Glossy Finish.
Now, we continue with Crime Does Not Pay, starring Martin Gable as John Fuller in Glossy Finish. uproar in the Fuller house after Martha, the housekeeper, discovered the body of David Fuller. The presence of the long-necked glass laboratory bottle or flask on the night table, the tightly closed windows, the faint but definite smell of almonds in the air, all pointed to very mysterious happenings in David's room. John immediately called the police. Before a half hour had passed, the room and the house were overrun with uniformed policemen, technical experts, detectives and the staff of the medical examiner. Well, Doc, what does it look like? It looks like what it is. Cyanide poisoning. Suicide? Murder. I haven't seen any food around. Didn't get it in food. You're looking at the murder weapon. That glass bottle? I don't get it. You smell the bitter almonds odor? Until Johnson opened the window, yes. Hydrocyanic acid. Hydrogen cyanide gas. Same thing they use in the gas chambers out west? That's right. Well, how could anybody get a hold of that? Well, that's your job, Lieutenant. You're the man in charge of homicide mm. around here. Hey, Lieutenant, can I bother you a minute? What's on your mind, Johnson? Something funny on the windowsill. What? Flies. Ten flies. Counted them. Alive or dead? Well, dead, of course. Enough gas to kill a man would kill all the insects, too. Yeah, they're dead. Okay, so the flies are dead. So what? Doc. Uh, how long ago did the old man die? Uh, rough estimate, at least uh, four hours, no more than ten. Mm. They found the body just before nine o'clock. Johnson, get me that housekeeper. Yes, sir. Mrs. Frank, in here, please. Yes, sir. Mrs. Frank, perhaps you can help us. Well, I, I'll try, sir. Is there any poison kept around the house? Who knows, sir? Only the usual roach paste and things like that. Doc? Uh, arsenic base. No, no good. Now, is there any other kind of chemical around here that you know about? Well, do they... Do they use chemicals in photography, sir? Do they use chemicals? Easy, Johnson. Oh, yes, sir. Miss Frank, will you show us the dark room, please, for the place where the work in photography is done? <laughs> Lieutenant. Look at that enlarger. Yeah, plenty of money spent on this. But plenty, Lieutenant. The young men had this as a hobby, I guess, sir. The nephew and the secretary? Yes, sir. Say, look here, Lieutenant. What's that? Looks like a hunk of tin to me. It's a fairy plate, sir. What's it used for? Well, you know those shiny prints you get when you have pictures developed? Go on. They make them shiny by rolling them out and drying them on this after they've uh, been in a solution of iron salt. Uh, iron ferrous. Fairy plate. How do you know so much about all this? I used to play around with photography myself when I was a kid. You said iron salts, Johnson? Yes, Doc. There ought to be a bottle of it around somewhere. Mm. Yeah, nothing here. What do you buy for this work? Well, there's lots of trade names. Uh, the stuff is potassium ferrous cyanide, though. Ah, that does it. K3FBCN6. Explain yourself, Doc. Simple enough. Although whoever did it would have to know something about chemistry. What do you about chemistry around here, Miss Frank? Well, well, sir, I... Say it. Which one of the young men? Both, sir. They both took chemistry in college. Better and better. 
Go on, Doc. How was it done? Well, all he had to do was to have some hydrochloric acid in that flask upstairs, you see? He sneaks into the room while the old man's sleeping, puts the flask on the table, drops in some of this fairy cyanide. The hydrogen from the acid combines with the cyanide. Boom. That's all. Death from hydrogen, cyanide, poisoning. You're sure of this, Doc? Sure as I can be before we analyze what's in that flask. But I'll bet roughly 50 to 1 on it. Well, we know how, but why. He was pretty rich. It was in his will. You know anything about that will, Mrs. Frank? I'm in it, sir. A trust fund. And the boys? Well, Mrs. Frank? They both... uh, He told us once. They both get a lot of money, sir. Well, well, well. All right, Doc. Get going on your analysis. Johnson, get those two young gentlemen ready for me. I'll take them on one at a time. Yeah, Lieutenant. Well, what's bothering you? Two ready-made suspects and you're worried? It's those flies, Lieutenant. They've got to fit in somewhere. I'll be doggone if I can figure where. You were, uh, are Mr. Fuller's nephew... Yes, Lieutenant. I called you when the housekeeper found him. Yes, I know. Uh, Mr. Fuller, I understand you have some knowledge of chemistry and photography. Well, uh, photography quite a little. As for chemistry, I had about a year of it in college. How long ago was that? (laughs) Longer than I care to think. (laughs) Most of us feel that way after a while. (laughs) Uh, Mr. Fuller, what time did you come home last night? Uh, About... One or one thirty this morning. Was that late for you? Mm, some. I asked Martha to leave the chain off the door. Uh, Uncle David always insisted on chains and bolts at night. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's an odd object you're tossing in your hand. Hmm? Oh. Oh, this is a chip from a gambling den. One of my friends had it. Never saw one quite like it before. Uh, may I see? Yes, certainly. Yeah, monogrammed. Uh, Mr. Fuller... Did you put the chain on the door when you came home last night? To be frank, I don't think I did. Let's see. Then, uh, in that case, anyone with a key to the front door might have had access to this house even after you came home. Well, surely, Lieutenant, you don't think that Charles Dubo had anything to do with... Your uncle's death? I'm not thinking anything at the moment, Mr. Fuller. I'm merely gathering the facts and sorting the truth from the window dressing. So your story, Mr. Dubo, is that you called goodnight to Mr. Fuller. He answered you when you left this house about a quarter past twelve and did not come back. Exactly, Lieutenant. Do you have any corroborating evidence? You mean an alibi? Yes. I'm afraid you'll have to find an alibi, Mr. Dubo. You had motive, opportunity, an excellent knowledge of chemistry by your own admission. All right, Lieutenant. My alibi is Dorothy Mason. She lives at 419 Sutter Street. Dorothy will tell you the truth. Yes, I waited for him, Lieutenant. I was angry. Another broken date. I wanted to have it out with him. And when did you separate? It was late. How late? I, uh, I'm sorry, Miss Mason. I must have the answer. It was 
after sunrise. I see. I doubt if it will be necessary for this to go any farther than me, Miss Mason. Thank you, Lieutenant. Uh, one more question, Miss Mason. Has Mr. Dubo ever made any statement to you about his employer, about the will, about any possible desire to see Mr. Fuller dead? Yes. Last night, when I was quarreling with him, he did say Mr. Fuller might die soon. All right, Poppy, this is one of your unique chips, isn't it? So what? I found it in the hand of John Fuller. That jerk. Owes me plenty. I gave the sucker a break. He asked me to wait until his uncle died. Okay, I figured. Good enough. Ten grand in live money is worth more than taking care of a fathead like Johnny Fuller. Now, what have we got? The poison available. Both of them knew about it. Dubo, maybe more than Fuller. Nobody heard the old man say goodnight to the secretary except Dubo himself. He could have gone back if the girl is covering for him. I know, Lieutenant. But you said yourself you think she's telling the truth. Watch her driving. Sure, she's telling the truth. But the old boy could have been dead when Dubo left the house. Well, my candidate's the nephew. Why, any more than the secretary? Well, he knew the same stuff as Dubo. And he was in the house all night. At least the housekeeper says so. You heard her yourself. Up all night with rheumatism. She heard every sound in the house. She says the nephew never left his room. Yeah, sure. Maybe he wore woolen socks. No noise. Only one thing we left out, John, from the time. It had to be done between 11 at night and 5 in the morning. Well, that's how we've been figuring. But there's something else we left out. What, for instance? The flies. Ten dead flies on the windowsill. You and those flies, Jonathan, for the love of... Hey, wait a minute. Think you got something? I think I've got the killer. Turn back, Jonathan. Use a siren. We're heading for the residence of the late David Fuller. <laughs> Come in. Your assistant told me you were in here, Lieutenant. Glad to see you. And vice versa, Mr. Fuller. Shut the door, John. And uh, bring that book over here. All right, Lieutenant. May I know what's going on? Of course. That's why we asked you here. Mr. Fuller, are you familiar with this book? The World Almanac? Yes, I know it. I haven't used one in years. Well, perhaps you should have. Uh, no matter now. Hmm? A detective Johnson here with plagues an idea. The uh, almanac helped him out. You're talking in riddles, Lieutenant. You explain it to him, Johnson. Be glad to. It was the flies, Mr. Fuller. Those dead flies in the windowsill of your uncle's room. <laughs> Those again? We had quite a few chuckles over your flies, detective. Yes. Well, Mr. Fuller, it's funny about flies. They sleep at night. Yes, so they do. On walls and ceilings, don't they? Glad you noticed that. But these flies were on the windowsill. Something drew them to the windowsill. And that's where the almanac came in. Uh, you see here on this page, Mr. Fuller, a table of sunrise and sunset for the month of June. And the date of your uncle's murder was June 19th. And the sun rose at 4.22 a.m. that day, which means it was light as early as 4. Light enough, Mr. Fuller, for the flies to be awakened. And to be drawn toward the window. 
and be caught there by the poison gas which kills your uncle. What's all this to do with me? You were in this house at that time. The housekeeper dozed off. But the train, anybody could have come in. Meaning Charles Dubo? Well, certainly, or anybody. Martha herself, she's in the will, too. They don't do, Fuller. We know where Dubo was past sunrise. Miss Frank doesn't know one chemical from another. And you were in trouble with Hoppy Carter to the tune of $10,000. You can't make it stick. You'll never make it stick. We think we will, Fuller. We think we'll find that bottle of ferrous cyanide somewhere in your room. You think I'd be dumb enough to leave it around? All right. You win. <laughs> but I came close, didn't I? As close as anyone could and not get away with it. Like coming close to winning at Toppy's and then dropping every dollar. Uncle David would rather enjoy this, I imagine. Having his death avenged by a few dead flies. Slime does not pay. Martin Gable, who has starred as John Fuller in Glossy Finish, will be back with you in just a moment. Here in person is Martin Gable. I think that in attempting to evaluate John Fuller's crime, we need to go far deeper than the surface motivation of the money he would have inherited if he'd not tried to hurry the inevitable. You see, there are thousands of potential John Fullers all over our country. Young people who are caught by the thrill of gambling, who don't care where their thrill-seeking habit may lead them, who eventually and one way or another, will have to pay their debt. It follows, then, that to protect these people from themselves, the root of the matter, organized gambling must be destroyed. That job rests with us, you and I. We alone can prove that gambling does not pay and crime does not pay. Thank you, Martin Gable. Crime Does Not Pay is written by Ira Marion and directed by Mark B. Lowe, with music composed and conducted by John Gart. Technical advisor is Burton B. Turkis. The events, characters, and names used in the story you've just heard are fictitious. Any similarity is purely coincidental.